I'm ready, Erin. Let's go. This week, Gone with the Bushes takes you to the ocean off the coast of Miami. <laughs> Miami. The reason she's laughing is because I start every podcast with this week, Gone with the Bushes takes you to. And, and it's just now that Erin realized that that's because I'm saying you're gone with the bushes. You're going somewhere with us. <laughs> 25 episodes. <laughs> 25 episodes. And she's just now realizing why I say that. That's why you people come here for your film analysis. <laughs> we, we catch on very quickly. We don't even listen to each other. So how can we expect you to listen to us? Oh, man. Uh, okay, that we we are chuckling ourselves. Okay, okay. Ocean off Miami for the film. It happened one night. It happened one night, nineteen thirty four, Columbia Joint. Yes, it is directed by Frank Capra. A Capra you, Joint. A Capra Joint. <laughs> you may remember him from such fine films as It's a Wonderful Life. Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, and a previous Gone with the Bushes destination, Mr. Mr. Smith, Smith Goes, goes to, to Washington. Washington. It is black and white. I'm it's not done with the bona fides yet. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, listeners. It was written by Robert Riskin, and he was married to, tidbit, he was married to Fay Ray. Um, who was in King Kong Fay Ray? King Kong Fay Ray, and he also co-wrote or wrote Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, and you can't take it with you. It is based on a short story called Night Bus by Samuel Hopkins Adams. It stars Clark Gable, a young Clark Gable. Clark? I mean, not young, young, but yeah. It was uh, this was before. Gone with the Wind? It was before Gone with the Wind, yes. Okay. Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert, our first Claudette Colbert. Mm-hmm. She was a big-time star. Big-time star with the skinniest eyebrows ever. And very arching. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, they had to have shaved her real eyebrows off. Oh, probably. They had to have. Oh, well. Okay, we start on a ship, and there are two men talking, the captain and an older man, talking about a hunger strike. Hunger strike going on on the ship. And we find out that his daughter, Ellie, is on a hunger strike. She wants to get off the ship because she has married King Wesley. Wesley. There's a T in it. Is there? Yes, it's King Wesley. Okay, I'll be saying it wrong for the rest of the time. And um, oh, hold on, it's not a ship; it's a, it's a yacht. yacht, but one of those like big yachts. So these people are loaded. Yeah, but at first you don't realize that it looks like a ship. And um, so the father says to the captain, "Bring food in. I'll make her. I'll make her eat." I would like to also point out that I do believe that it, this is in the 1930s, so we are in the middle of the Great Depression. Yes, so 1933, I believe it was filmed. It, it came out in 34. Yeah, so I'm these people mistaken. are loaded. If it's the Great Depression's going on and you're just posted up on a yacht, 
outside of Miami. Yeah, he didn't need to jump out the window. Yeah. He's doing Wait, when just was the stock market fine. crash? 1929. Okay, so that um okay. So the father wants the marriage annulled. Yes. And they argue, argue, argue. I oh. have pencil thin eyebrows and Mamie Eisenhower Eisenhower hair. And her dad is is a rotund gentleman and he has asked the servants to bring in some food and they are scared to death of the daughter, Ellie. And they bring in the food, and um, she's all like, I'm not falling for it. And he's like, I know you're not. I'm just eating. And they have an argument. And here's something the listeners don't know about me, but I love a good table flip. Absolutely. <laughs> I love them. They're, I get so much joy when a character in a film gets so angry that they flip a table because I so want to flip tables, but I will never flip a table in real life. Because you're not Teresa Judice. Yeah, so I love a good a good table flip. And she does a good table flip with all yeah. the food that her dad was eating. So it was like steak and lobster, champagne. There was probably caviar on it because this man knew how to eat. And yeah. she flipped it and her, her dad got up and went over and slapped her. Slapped her, and it was probably the first time she'd ever been slapped. Yeah. Because they were both shocked. Yeah, he was shocked, and she was shocked, and I was shocked, because I was like, that's that's all you get for flipping a table? No. <laughs> if I had flipped a table, this is why I love them so much, because I know that no matter where I am in the world, if I were ever to flip a table... A hand would come out of nowhere and just beat me. So. It would. And, and you probably wouldn't still be with us. I, yeah. The whole reason I'm here today, people, is because I said no to the urge to flip a table. So. Okay. She. Because it's Because I'm laughing here. I'm like, this comedy's already got me. You have me with the table flip. And then there's. He can't believe that he slapped his daughter and she's just like, all right, then. And she goes out onto the yacht, the balcony of the yacht, and she does a rich woman dive. She just dives into the ocean. She had on flimsy, um, expensive jammies, mm-hmm. nightgown or something. And she's swimming. And she does a perfect dive because, and again, you know how rich she is because lesser people of a lesser social status would have just jumped in feet first because they don't know how deep it is and i would have because i would have had to hold my nose <laughs> yeah you were just i would have just like jumped in feet first she did the whole like not a care in the world it is deep, the water is deep enough i'm gonna go ahead and go head first and she hits the water and then she just starts swimming like she probably could have been in the olympics as she probably has trained, done some Olympic training in the pools. Well, somebody has definitely taught her how to do that dive. She's got a nice stroke. She's had such a nice stroke that she was able to outswim the henchmen who her father sent after her in a motorboat. Right, but they had to lower the boats and they had to get in the boat. But you're right. You're She's right. Still she still swimming. She had to have some uh, stamina. Yeah. But she can because she's rich and she doesn't have to go to work. She can work on her swimming stamina and dives. 
So the father sends word to a detective agency, get my daughter, and uh, they get to Miami, and she has escaped again. She's on the night bus to New York. Bus. No one ever thought she would ride a bus. Yeah, they were all at the airports and the train stations, and she gets on a bus in Miami. But she did pull a trickaroo to get her ticket. Yeah. She because there were men at the bus station. They were watching, you know, where you buy the tickets. So she had an older woman buy the ticket for her. Mm-hmm. And Gave she, him the slip. Yeah, it's like, oh, she's got some smarts. This one. Also at the train station in the phone booth, there are men, uh, multiple men gathered around this phone booth, and you wonder what's going on in the phone booth. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Clark Gable, and he's drunk, and he's talking to a newspaper editor, and the newspaper editor is firing him, but Clark Gable isn't drunk enough, Wendy, that he um, doesn't realize he needs to keep his face on, his game face on, and so he, the, the newspaper editor hangs up on him, but he pretends like he's still talking to him, and he quits. Yeah. So that the, yeah. So he doesn't have the newspaper job anymore, but it's because he quit. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you know what? He calls them like some he calls them weird 1934 names. He's kind of fun. a kind of a well, he is a smart ass guy. Oh, he's such a smart ass. Yeah. He and is. then when he comes out of the um when he comes out of the phone booth, all the guys, all the other fellow drunks in the in the uh, trades or the bus station, they Diane. all gather him and, and they they all anoint him and he's their king and they're all like, make way for the king, make way for the king. And he just struts through like he's the king. And actually in real life, that was his nickname, the king. Oh. Um, okay, so Clark Gable throws, pay- oh, so he goes oh, wait, to wait, the wait. back of the he bus. He got fired though because he's a drunk. Yeah, yeah, that's and a, why he, and a wise guy. Yeah, he got yeah, but mostly it was because you're he wrote a, a column in free verse and he's drunk all the time. The newspaper guy's like, yeah, he, I've had it. You're done. So he goes to the back of the bus because there aren't any people of color yet, and there are newspapers where he needs to sit. So he just throws the newspapers off the bus. So he's arguing with the bus driver. At this point, Claudette Colbert just pushes her way past them and goes and sits in this newly freed up seat on the bus where the newspapers had sat. Yeah. And so he goes and tells her to scram. And she is quite educated and she always uses educated type words. And she asks the bus driver if these seats are reserved. They aren't, and so she can sit there if she wants to. And so he goes, all right, then I'm just going to sit here with you. That's how he is. <laughs> and he puts his bag up, and he falls. Oh, she falls asleep in Clark Gable's lap. Well, she something happens, and he fa- she falls into her lap, and he says... Uh, bring your parents next time you drop by. Eh, 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 eh. I'm telling you, I couldn't write down all the banter. Yeah, this whole movie banter. is banter. Oh, it's 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 great banter. So they get to a rest stop. I mean, consider this this bus is going to New York. 
And we're starting in Miami. Yeah. So I think their first stop is in Jacksonville. Uh, and it's a rest station, 15 minutes. And there is one person of color. Yep. Here it is. This is the one person of color. They have lines. They are, um, whoa, what are they? The cook of the rest stop place. And they're, um, they're ringing the, the guy's ringing the bell and he's like, we have hot dogs for 10 cents. And, yes. He's selling hot dogs. Yeah. That kind of thing. So there, yeah. you, there you have it. And Claudette Colbert is standing there smoking her cigarettes, and there's a man stealing her suitcase. Oh, this this was one of my favorite scenes of the movie. So Claudette, you know, she's there, and she's put up, she's put off by this Clark Gable, and Clark Gable is posted up, I like kind of across from her, but a ways, and she sees him. And, you know, she's doing the whole, like, who is this guy? I don't like him, but he is Clark Of course Gable. he's making eyes at me because I'm so yeah. gorgeous. And then he, he, like, he sees her and he stands up. And, like, the audience sees that there's a guy sneaking up behind her and grabs her suitcase. And Clark Gable gets up and just starts running towards her. And but he's chasing the guy, but she doesn't know that, so she's looking at this at him coming like straight up. It's basically the get out scene before get out, and he just runs up to her, and she's like kind of starting to freak out, and then runs past her, and she just goes back to smoking her cigarette. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and then Clark Gable comes up, and he's like, oh, "I wasn't able to get him," and she's like, "What are you talking?" Like she she has her first line to him is really funny. It's really sarcastic, and like, "What are you talking about?" And then Clark Gable says, "That guy stole your bag. Didn't you? Did you even notice?" And she looks down, and she's just like, "My bag." It's where her money is. Yeah. And um, truthfully, she doesn't have a lot of money on her because you know she did swim away, and the only thing she swam away with was a negligee and a watch. She had to sell the watch to buy the dress she's wearing. I'm I'm sure the the pumps as well. Were they peep toe? They were not peep toe. No peep toe pump. So at this point, Clark Gable, he kind of realizes that um, she kind of, somebody needs to look out for this woman. She's probably going to get herself into some trouble. Mm-hmm. And um, so he goes, well, when you get, this isn't Jacksonville yet. When you get to Jacksonville, you can wire home for some money because you obviously come from money. And she goes, I, I don't want it reported. So she's running away from something. She oh, just wants to be left alone. Yeah, the customer service in 1934, apparently uh, Clark Gable says that you should report it. The, li the line, the bus line will take care of it. So if your bags <laughs> got stolen in 1934, all you had to do was say my bags were stolen. And they were, I guess they would give you $5 because <laughs> that's that's a lot of money to people in 1934. Replacement. And and so she goes, I just want to be left alone. And he goes, you're an ungrateful brat. Yeah. So brat becomes her nickname. So this time getting on the bus, she takes a different seat. She's not going to sit with him. Is this when she starts sitting next to Shapely? Um, she starts sitting next to the snoring man oh. who keeps falling asleep on her shoulder. He's a big, very large gentleman. He spills over into her seat and then he's snoring and he's like, he's laying all upon her. Ugh. So she can't take it. So she, uh, uh, so she goes and sits with Clark Gable, wouldn't you? 
Okay, so then they hit Jacksonville, and it's 30 minutes for breakfast. <laughs> and she's asleep holding on to Clark Gable's coat. She wakes and realizes, I'm so sorry. Why didn't you shove me away? Um, and then <laughs> she gets off the <laughs> off the bus and she says to the bus driver, I'm going to the some hotel. So just just wait for me. I'm going to be back later than the 30 minutes. So just hold the bus for me because she's used to that mm-hmm. happening. She's rich. And she gets back, and the bus is gone. <laughs> She's go- she goes to the guy, um, where's the bus? And they're like, the bus is gone. The bus left 20 minutes ago. But who wasn't on that bus? Clark Gable. He Clark didn't Gable get on the bus. wasn't on the bus. Now, there's a reason, and you think it's because he's smitten. No. Mm, he's Clark Gable. Out. We're not going to tell you yet, but... um. So she says, I don't need you to watch out for me. I can take care of myself. And he goes, really? Because he holds up her ticket that she left in the seat. (laughs) Not only did you think this bus was going to wait for you, you also left your ticket on said bus. And you'll never get get away without it, Miss Andrews. Oh, now you we know names now. Uh, she her picture is all over the front page because her father has put out advertisements everywhere and sent every detective in the world to find her. Yeah, and this remember, was big news. Clark Gable is a newspaper man, unemployed newspaper man. Uh, take my advice, stories. King Westley is a phony. And she goes, okay, okay, okay. Uh, I'll pay you more than my father's paying you to look out for me. Just be quiet and I'll pay you more than my father would pay you. Mm -hmm. But it's like how your father has the money. And um, then the banter goes on and you're a spoiled brat of a rich father. And it never occurred occurred to you to say, please, I'm not interested. So then somebody is at the Western Union office. That would be Clark Gable. And he is sending a a Western Union telegram to his editor saying, I know where Ellen Andrews is. Hmm. And it's from Peter Warren. Yeah, Peter Warren. And send it collect. Yeah, send it collect. So they're back on the bus. And this time, Claudette Colbert takes a seat that's not next to the fat snoring guy. And it's not next to Clark. It's next to, what's the dude's name? Shapely. Shapely. And he starts talking nonstop. One of those. You've all been on a plane with him. Yeah. And then he starts, like, harassing her. So he's talking nonstop and then nonstop harassment. And across the aisle is Clark Gable with an empty seat next to him. Mm-hmm. And, but, and this this shapely guy goes, you're just my type. And Claudette Colbert says, you bore me to distraction. <laughs> She's At which good, point, Clark she Gable gets singers. up and he says to Talker uh, that he wants Talker to get up. I call him Talker, shapely. Uh, he wants uh, Talker to get up so he can sit next to his wife. 
Yeah, and at that point, Shapely says, I didn't know. Look here, man. I didn't know. I had no idea. Sorry. So then somebody on the bus is selling chocolates. Now, Clark Gable knows that she only had $4 in her purse after her suitcase was stolen. And he won't let her buy the box of chocolates because he says she needs to budget her money. Yeah. She's got a long, like, she's she's got a bit of a trip. She's on a bus to New York City. And I don't even know if they've left Florida yet. I don't think they have. Okay, so then it's raining. And the bus swerves. Was that when the men were singing? No, not yet. Um, and, and there's a, there's a, the bus doesn't swerve, but there's, the bus has to stop because the bridge is washed out. Oh, wait. Shapely had his great, a great line. He said, Shapely's the name and that's how I like him. <laughs> I must have missed that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shapely had some great lines, but he was very, was like, Shapely's the name and that's how I like him. There were lots of great lines. I, I couldn't, um, Write them all down. Oh, so this is the bridge is out because of the rain. So mm-hmm. they get a room. And so they're stopping here for the night. Yeah. And and so they he uh Gable, Warren, Peter, whatever his name is, he they get a room. He is able to um secure the last of the rooms. Actually they were cabins at this time. It was oh, a motel yeah, cabins. with cabins. So they were able to get the last of the cabins. And she doesn't really want to stay in there, you know, but it's raining. And so he does this whole thing. He's, he's talking, doing this whole spiel. He's put, tying up a rope across the room and he puts a blanket over it to divide the room. So they have luckily some, twin beds. Yeah, they have some privacy. He calls right. the wall of Jericho. They do call it the Wall of Jericho, which I didn't write down all the times it was talked about. Yeah. And then at the end, I should have. I did. So I did some it's research. It's a good thing you brought it up. Yes. And that, who was it that had to trumpet down the well, wall? We'll get Jericho? to it. We'll get to it. Okay. Okay. I wrote it down. Okay. Um, and she goes, what gave you the idea I'd stand for this? And he goes, you're just a headline to me. Yeah. So she finds out that he's a newspaper man. And he wants her story. Mm-hmm. And he'll help her get to King Wesley um, if she if gives him she, the story. Right. The day by day, running back to Wesley, trying not to get picked up by the detective's dad has sent out. Yeah. He wants that story. And in, 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 in exchange, he will get her safely back to King Wesley. Now, at this point, I'm going, is this dude a real king? Yeah, King Wesley. I mean, I hear King Wesley. I'm a child of the 80s. I think Wesley from The Princess Bride. And Me too. I'm so in. I mean, why is she? Yes, she needs to run back to Wesley. And then I'm going, King? Because uh, I just saw Black Panther. What kind of king is he? <laughs> Maybe there's a reason why Dad wants this marriage and all. Oh, you think he's the king of Wakanda? He could have been the <laughs> king of Wakanda. What do I know? Damn. Yeah, that would have made it. That would have added a, a bit of. There's well, it. we would have added to our people of color count. Yes. And so he t- he says, you can go out in the storm if you want to, but I'm going to follow you. If you run away, 
I'm just going to tell your papa. So you can either stay here and give me your story or I'm going to tell papa where you are. Mm-hmm. So banter, banter, banter. There's so much banter. She's so sarcastic. He's so sarcastic. Oh, is this where he he's was... doing his uh he's he's doing his thing about cause she um I think that she's gonna stay. Is he this when he's doing his thing of this spiel about how men undress? Yes. So he's doing this whole thing. It's a great scene for Clark Gable. He's in full Clark Gable display. And he's, That's what they said about this film, is that the, it's the one time that you see him on film the way he really was. Really joking, really charismatic, really fun. I liked him in this way more than I liked him in um, that movie. Uh, Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind. But I still liked him in Gone with the Wind. But I'm like, this is my Clark Gable. So he's talking about men as he's undressing and... When he undresses, he he's it's a, it's a great scene because he's talking the whole time, and she's just angry and staring at him. He takes off his shirt; he's not wearing an undershirt. He Do you had, know why? Yeah, because he was having trouble getting well. Because really, because his pants were so high. That's the whole <laughs> the real reason. They were right under his armpits. His pants are up to his armpits, so when he has Do to you need untuck. An the undershirt, he he couldn't and still go with the lines, the flowing of the scene. So they were like, you know what? Just skip the undershirt. And then people started not wearing undershirts. But by yeah. people, I mean everyone but <laughs> our family. Because you did not leave the house without an undershirt. Without your tidy whitey. <laughs> and actually, undershirt sales dropped because of this movie and Clark Gable not wearing one. So everybody thought, oh, okay, cool men don't wear undershirts. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Poppy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, she runs over to the other side of the blanket when he gets to the pants part. Mm -hmm. And she's thinking about going out the window. But it's raining and it's, it's raining, raining really hard. Yeah, it is. And he starts singing, what, Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf? Mm -hmm. And he's smoking in bed. Yeah, it's 1934. Okay. Everything goes. He lent her a pair of pajamas. <laughs> I was laughing so hard because he's a man. I was picturing my brother <laughs> on trips <laughs> and his <backy> pajamas. <laughs> Here are my pajamas. Oh, here, here, miss, you may have my extra pajamas. <laughs> my my Teenage Mutant Ninja t-shirt that I had when I was four, but there's so many holes in it, you can actually wear it now. So here you go. Here you go. No, he had like the full Hugh Hefner pajamas. He does. He does. And she wears them. Mm -hmm. And, and he, ha he, has his, he has a robe, too. <laughs> he does. <laughs> it's not a smoking jacket, people. It's a full robe. It's a full and slippers. So, she, <laughs> so not our family. So she gets in bed and then she goes, oh, by the way, what's your name? And he says, Peter Warren. Well, they well, go back and forth a bit. He doesn't say his name. And, and yeah, and there's, there's banter the whole time. Yeah, banter, banter. And then he's like, Peter Warren. And she's like, she thinks, she goes, I don't like it. And he goes to sleep. <laughs> well, and he, she goes, pleased to meet you, Mr. Warren. And and he goes back, pleased to meet you, Mrs. Warren, because they had to say they were married to be able to get a cabin together. Mm -hmm. Next scene, there's an airplane. And yes, Papa owns an airplane as well as a yacht. He's very, very rich. He's a banker. <laughs> so, you know, he's got everybody's money. 
And they're saying there's still no sign of the daughter. Well, she wakes up in the cabin and he comes in. That, do he we gets, hear the plane? Because you hear the plane yeah. when she wakes up. And I'm like, oh, that's the plane. They're flying over. The plane, the plane. Um, and he comes in. He gives her a toothbrush. He has had her dress pressed. And he goes, uh, the showers are outside. And yeah, and he went to get breakfast stuff. I would just be like, forget King Wesley. We're married. Yeah, especially when you finally see King Wesley. <laughs> he lets her use his robe so that she can go get in, go get a shower. Mm-hmm. You want to tell her, tell about that, guy? So she goes to get the, the shower and there's a line and she goes, is this where the shower, the lady's shower is? And everyone's like, yeah. So she just cuts the line because she's rich. She's never had to wait in a line before. She doesn't know. And she opens the door and the woman's in the shower. It's like, hey. A little privacy here. And she shuts the shower door and everyone that's in line is laughing at her. And she walks back and gets in in the line and this, this little like brat of a girl turns around and does a really like doesn't just stick her tongue out, but like forcefully sticks her tongue out. It was it was a nasty looking tongue. Yeah, at her and and God, Echo Bear like like makes a face back at her and then she laughs because she's like, I'm a I'm a real person. <laughs> I'm in with the peeps. Ah, this is how the real people live. <laughs> what an adventure. And talking guy finds her and starts talking. She gets away from it. Yeah. So she goes back in the little cabin. Clark Gable is cooking breakfast. He's cooking eggs. They each get an egg and a donut. And black coffee. And black coffee, no cream. Because they're on a budget. Yeah. But he made it and everything. I know. And her dress is pressed. Yeah. And he and she says, you think I'm a fool and a spoiled brat. And he's like, yes, I do. Because you are. You just got the line at the shower. And she says, but it's just opposite. I don't get to do whatever I want. I've been told what to do my whole life. And um, she said one time she went out shopping without the security guards and she was able to to elude them and run off. She jumped in the first car she saw. And who was in that car? King Wesley. King Wesley was in it. So she literally did marry the first man that she met. She did. <laughs> at this point, the detectives show up at the cottage motel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so so she's going, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? He goes, just mess up your hair a oh, lot. But Don't wait, look but like but yourself. Before that, they have their, their famous scene where, because she's dunking the um, donut in the cup. And he's oh, yeah. Like, she doesn't know how to dunk Yeah, he's like, what the hell coffee. are you doing? And Clark Gable is like, you break off the piece. You give it a slow dunk and whoop. Whoop. And he eats it. Very classic. Because otherwise, the, it's going it, to get too much coffee and it's going to disintegrate in the bottom of your cup. Yeah. Okay, so she's pretending to comb her hair, pushing it over her face. Now, these detectives have to be morons. Well, huh? it's there's no cell phones. I think they really... I don't even know if they have pictures of her. I think they have drawings of what she's supposed to look like. Okay, they haven't seen any of the newspapers with real photographs of her? I don't know. The one detective, because he kept trying to get a look at her face because he was holding something, I think, that had either her picture... I think it was a drawing. Or yeah. a drawing. And you're like, oh, man, 1934. 
to to just be somebody on the lam in in the thirties. Yeah. And Clark Gable is being the the um he is extremely frustrated that these men are just busting into his cabin with him and his wife and he, he and Claudette Colbert start to argue. Uh, as all of a sudden they jump into this improv routine of a married indeed. couple. And it's quite entertaining their argument because she gets really into it as well. Yeah. And he says she's a plumber's daughter and and then then she gets it. She does this fake cry that would make anybody leave the cabin. Mm-hmm. So um, they're going, oh, wow, only married people would be <laughs> acting this way. So they go out and then Claudette and Clark start laughing. Ah, they have five minutes to get to the bus. Mm-hmm. Next scene is the newsroom. And the editor wants Everybody to go out, they want to find her before the father finds her. And the father has made a radio broadcast that there is a $10,000 reward for her. $10,000 in 1934. I don't know what it is in in these days, but that's a whole lot. That's that's a mill anyway. That is, yeah. I mean, that's change your life money in 1934. And the talker on the bus sees the newspaper. Shapely sees the newspaper and he realizes, Cha-ching. My ticket has come in. And he smiles a nasty smile. Yeah, Shapely. Well, now they're on the bus. And there is an improv. uh, This was really improvised, this scene. Oh, really? With all the people singing on the bus. I thought that this scene did an excellent job at illustrating the contributions of blues and jazz into popular American song and just how much fun those influences were to rock and roll. Whoa. (laughs) Because these, I don't know what the Flying Trapeze song is, culturally speaking, but everyone on that bus knew the words to it. They sure did. And as cultural songs that everybody knows, it's a snoozer. The on the flying trapeze. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are several verses to it. I had no idea. Oh, first, a guy comes up. He's like, I'm going to sing the first verse. And he's in the Navy. And I'm like, hmm, he's really good at musical theater. And then a second guy comes up and he's like, I'm going to take the second verse. And then a third guy gets up. How many verses does this damn song have? At at which point the driver starts getting into it and swerves off the road. Yep. He started clapping at uh, the fun in the back. And yeah, I'm like, it wasn't a barn burner back there, guy. (laughs) Well, it was the most entertainment he'd had. At which point. The, the bus is swerved off the road, so people are jostled. A little boy starts crying, Mama, Mama. And his mother has collapsed in his lap. Yeah. And we don't know if she's alive. I'm like, oh, she has the cancer. That no. was a classic cancer pass out. But because it's 1934, the Claudette Colbert goes and puts water on her face and and she revives her, and Clark Gable talks to the little boy, and 
gives him some money because she just needs some food. She passed yeah. out from hunger. It's 1934, so it wasn't cancer. She was just starving. Exactly. So they well, say, get her some food at the next stop. No, Clark Gable takes out the money, and he's looking at it and looking at the kid. <laughs> and Claudette Colbert comes over and takes the money out of his hand and gives it to the kid. And is like, now the next stop that we stop at, you make sure that you and your mom... You buy your mom some food. And the little boy's like, no, ma'am, I can't. My mom would be so mad at me if I took your money. And then he's, she's like, listen, you take that money and you feed yourself and your mom. He's like, it's what your mom would have wanted <laughs> something. And the kid's like, all right, and takes it. So the, the bus is off the road. The nearest town is 10 miles. At this point, people get off the bus and they're walking around and shapely goes to Clark Gable, hey, you know, I see you with the dame, and I know who she really is, and I'll split the reward 50-50 with you. Yeah, look here, see? I know what you got working up. So Clark goes, let's take a walk together. You want to take this part, Aaron? So they, they walk out into the forest. They walk, walk, and Clark Gable, he, you know, maybe he shouldn't have been a newspaper man. Maybe his true calling, this Peter Warren's character, he, he probably should have gone to Hollywood and become an actor because he loved to deliver impromptu improv scenes. So he tells, he puts his arm around Shapely and he's like, all right, um, what does he say? Something about like, I'll cut you in, but I have to talk to the, I have to talk to my boss about it. And basically he, he makes Shapely believe that he's in a, he's a gangster in a crime syndicate and they've kidnapped the Harris. And so it, what they're doing is criminal and they're basically kidnapping her and they're going to kill her or like, there's like a ransom involved. He, he gives it this whole criminal bent. And so in Shapely, Instead of wanting to get cut in on the money, Shapely starts freaking out because he doesn't want to be part of this a kidnapping. That's that's against the law, and especially with gangsters. And Plus, if he messes up, he's dead. Yeah, and and uh, what's his name? Clark Gable. Meant, he's like, oh, do you know this guy Bugs? He was the like some sort of gangster that he made, obviously name that he made up. But Shapely doesn't know, and Shapely starts freaking out, and he. Clark Gable scares Shapely so bad that Shapely just starts running away into the forest. He just gets so freaked out. Because if he ever mentions it, the, the gang will find him and kill his children. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, you, are you married? you have a family? Oh, you have kids? All right. You want anything to happen to those kids? And Shapely's freaking out. True. <laughs> Did we both take a drink at the same time? Uh, I, I need a refill. Oh. Okay, so. What are you doing? I uh, Your father's talking to me. Oh, we're in the middle of a show. Okay, so. He says, keep your trap shut or your kids are going to die. And, and stay away from the bus. And the guy does. So. At this point, Claudette and Clark decide to leave the bus because other people have, have probably seen the newspaper, too. And they know that Clark says, well, once Shapely really kind of thinks about it, you know, he's going to start telling people. So, you know, we can't trust him. We, we and we can't get back on the bus because other people are going to figure it out. We, we got to go a different route. 
we're on the lamb now. We're on the lamb. Mm-hmm. And the next time we come to, you're going to wire your father. And yeah, she's like, why? I'm not going to, I don't want to wire my father. No. Not going to happen. So they are next to a crick. Other people call it a creek. Mm-hmm. He's taken off his shoes, taken off his socks, rolling up his pants, gives her his shoes, says, hold on to these. And he puts her over his shoulder to carry her across the creek. And she's complaining, complaining, banter, banter. So he's holding a suitcase in one hand. He says, hold the suitcase a minute. So she does. He uses that hand to smack her bottom to keep her in line. <laughs> Ladies, you know, everybody needs a smack on the bottom. And he just keeps walking. Yeah. So they don't have any money because as he points out to her, she gave the little boy all his money. And she's like, that's all the money you had? And she's like, yeah. That's why yeah. I kind of didn't just give it to him. Yeah. 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 Thanks a lot. And she goes, but I'm hungry and I'm scared. So they are somewhere with a lot of straw. Were those wagons of straw? Yeah, there's like there's hay. And so he's pulling out straw to make beds for them. And he tells her, you know, if you're having a problem, you uh, and she goes to him. You know, if I'm such a pain, you can leave anytime you want to. Anytime you see fit, I can get along. I can take care of myself. And then she realizes he's not around. Mm-hmm. And she gets hysterical. Yeah, she just starts freaking out. And he comes back with carrots he pulled up out of a garden. Yeah, because he was like, you were hungry. All you were complaining about the whole time is how hungry you are. I went to go get food to solve the problem. But she doesn't want to eat the carrots. She doesn't like hard carrots. She's like, you're going to eat those raw? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, this is what I got. This is what there is to eat. This is food. Did you see Scarlett O'Hara? She ate a raw sweet potato and she was happy with it. (laughs) So he puts his coat over her because she's going to get chilly and he tucks it up under her chin and they are so close to kissing, but they don't. (laughs) And he's laying in his bed of straw and he lights a cigarette. (laughs) And this man with his cigarettes. Okay. And then he says to her, what makes dames like out like you so dizzy? And she has tears in her eyes. Next morning, they're walking on the road. Well, she's trying to walk. She's in those, those Ooh, heels. Those, those pumps hurt. Oh, her, her feet. Ouch. She's like, what is our plan right now? And he says, well, look, we're going to hitchhike. And she's <laughs> like, well, I've seen a whole bunch of this hiking. When are we going to get to the hitch part? Hey. <laughs> And Which was funny. And there's a whole lot of banter. Yeah, banter. Because he goes through his whole shtick on how he's the the best at hitchhiking. And he has all these different thumbs and these different moves. And so he tries them out. And car after car after car after car just go past him. He doesn't. Not one person stops. And, he's, and she's just hanging out like, oh, well, you really are fantastic at hitchhiking, aren't you? And he's like, oh, whatever. You couldn't do any better. And she's like, well, I bet I can. Let me try. Let me try. He says, don't make me laugh. Yeah. It's like, what? But. So she sticks her, she sticks her gam out there. Hikes pulls up her, up her skirt. So her gam, her skirt is above her knee. Her skirt is, she is showing knee. 
She is. And the car can't stop fast enough. Exactly. Unfortunately, it is quite a banged up old It's a jalopy. But she says the limb is mightier than the thumb. Um, and she really didn't want to stick her leg out. No. She was quite a modest woman. In fact, the whole reason for the blanket in the um, the wall of Jericho was because she didn't want to undress on camera. Uh-huh. And so they used leg doubles. And she finally went, you know, th- none of those are my legs. My legs are better than the doubles. So <laughs> just use my own. That's not my leg. This is my leg. This is my leg, people. Wah, wah, wah. So they are, uh, the the driver um, stops at a food place and they get out of the car. It cracks me up because he goes, let's go stretch our legs. And then he promptly sits down (laughs) on a bench. That's not proper stretching. As soon as they are away from the car, the driver comes out and gets in the car and drives away with dude's suitcase. And Clark Gable runs after him. Because he says, that's my suitcase. And he runs after him. Now, remember when her suitcase was stolen? Clark Gable couldn't catch the guy. Yeah, he was on foot with it, running with the suitcase. And Clark yeah. Gable couldn't catch him. This guy drives off in a Model T. Clark Gable, come, the next time we see Clark Gable, he's coming back up the street driving the Model T with a cut on his forehead. Reminds me of your brother being able to... Um, run across the across <laughs> several streets to catch the Cadillac that it hit his Cadillac. Cadillac on Cadillac crime. <laughs> Cadillac on Cadillac crime. And, and dude who had not worked out in years was able to catch that car. Uh, but he had blisters on his feet, so. He had a couple blisters <laughs> running in his underwear. Um, luckily, he was out of the whitey tidy stage at that point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so at this point, it cuts to the father talking to King King Wesley. King Wesley is nothing to write home about. My God, that man was not an attractive man. We'll get to it in trivia, people. I found a doozy for trivia later. Ooh, I don't know this one. So the father's going to King Wesley. Look, okay, okay, okay. I give up. There will be no annulment. Uh, you get her back here. And uh, it's okay if you stay married. I just need my daughter back. I'll have a room full of reporters. If she comes forward, I won't interfere with your marriage. So she sees a newspaper that says her father's like, okay with the marriage. And she hides it from Clark Gable. What? And they are now three hours from New York in this Model T chugger. And she wants to stay in another one of those cottage motels rather than driving on the three hours to get to New York. And he says, what's we're only three. I don't understand why we're stopping. We're only three hours away. You know why? I thought you wanted to get to King Wesley so bad. Why all of a sudden are you wanting to stop? And she says it's because... By the time they get in, it'll be 3 a.m. and everything will be closed. But that's not really the case. No, it's not. She doesn't want the adventure to end. She doesn't. But but he's he's uh, 
smitten too, but he doesn't want to get too excited because, you know, she's got a husband waiting on her. And he goes, you'll, you know, in the, tomorrow morning, you'll be in the arms of your husband. And she says, you'll have a great story. So they put up the clothesline again. The, the wall, wall of Jericho. Jericho is back up again. So Clark Gable says, you certainly outsmarted your father. And she says, on the other side of the wall of Jericho, am I going to see you again in New York? And he's like, no. And she says, why? He says, because I don't hang around married women. So she says, am I ever going to see you again? And he goes, I'm going to bring you to King Wesley. That's what you wanted. Yeah. What do you need to see me for? So she's, she says, have you ever been in love, Peter? You could make some girl wonderfully happy. So he goes into a thing about how he wants the person he falls in love with to be real and really alive. And when he was in the war, he saw an island in the Pacific. And he he wants somebody who he would be able to take there to that island in the Pacific who would jump in the surf with him. If I could ever find a girl who was hungry for those things, that's who I would choose. At which point she comes to his side of the blanket. <gasps> With tears in her eyes. And she runs up to him and says, but Peter, that's what I want. Take me with you. I love you. I can't live without you. <laughs> no. Peter says, you better go to your side of the blanket. <gasps> what? what? An honorable man? Claudette Colbert says sorry, and she cries herself to sleep. Clark is smoking in bed again. (laughs) Hey, brat, did you mean that? Would you really go? But she's already fallen asleep. So he gets dressed, and he leaves. Where does he go? He, He goes with the Model T to the gas station. And he says to the to the gas station attendant, who's white, I, I need enough gas to get me to New York City. And he's willing to sell a suitcase, everything to get the gas. And the guy's like, what am I going to do with the suitcase? He's like, look, you said you take the suitcase. You buy the suitcase from me. I come back. I buy it back from you for 10 and with 10 more dollars. So you pocket 10 bucks. How's that sound? The guy's like, I don't need another suitcase, but I like your hat. I don't have a hat, my own. Yeah, so Clark Gable gives him his hat. He gets in the Model T. Where does he go? He goes to New York City. Okay. What? Full disclosure here. I was sitting. I was not laying down because we all know that I fall asleep when I lay on my side. I was sitting straight up on my couch, Indian style. And my eyes were starting to get heavy at this point. That would be that would be pretzel style, people. Oh, crisscross hashtack. Chris crisscross crisscross applesauce. Oh, so happy! I was not the one who wasn't woke. Ah, I am. Everyone's just trying. (laughs) Everyone's just trying their best. Anyway. So what did you do when you were sitting crisscross applesauce on your couch? My eyes got heavy. And At this point? Yeah. Oh, I'm so disappointed. 
I was like, I was like, oh man, because I'm thinking, did he just drive to New York by by himself, and then he's gonna without like, her? Yeah. yeah, without her, and that was yeah. like their same destination. Yeah, it's kind of. I was like, it's not a dick move because it's a movie, but I was just like, that's very inefficient. And he gets a typewriter to type up the story. So what do you think? You think, dang, he really was in it for the story. He thought maybe he was starting to feel, fall for her. But no, he was writing up the story. And he goes to the newspaper office. And he tells the editor, I got a good story for you. And he gets $1,000 for it. And because he tells the newspaper editor, hey, she's not going to stick with King Wesley. She's going to marry somebody else. Newspaper like, who's she going to, who, who's she going to marry, huh? Who? Cartier I'm says. the guy she's going to marry. Me. I'm going to marry her. And he tells the story and he says, minutes count. I need that thousand dollars. I need that thousand dollars right now. Meanwhile. And back at the hotel. Mrs. Kravitz. Well, knows because they remember they don't have any money. So how did they get the cabin? They got the cabin because Clark Gable smooth talked his way and said that they would keep the cabin for a week. So that way they didn't have to pay that night. Right. Because they and they were going to get a whole week's uh, rent of the cabin. No, they weren't. Yeah. So um, the woman wasn't Mrs. Kravitz, but she was nosy. And she got up in the middle of the night, probably had to pee and um, saw that the car was gone. And they skipped out, just like I told you, just like I told you they would. We didn't get any money for the cabin, and now they skipped out. Yeah. So the husband and wife go to the cabin, see if they left anything behind. And who do they find? They find her. Claudette Colbert's there. And she's like, where's your husband? She's like, oh, I don't know. On the other side of the blanket? Yeah. They're like, no, he's not. And the car's gone, too? Uh-oh. Uh oh, you have to get out of here because you didn't pay us. And mm -hmm. so she says, I just need a phone. And they go right down the street is the sheriff's office. So she has to put on those pumps again and walk, walk right down the street to the sheriff's office. So she gets there. And who does she call? Well, at this point, back at the editor's office, he gets his $1,000. Yeah, and but Claudette doesn't know that. Oh, no, she, she doesn't, but we, we do. Mm -hmm. He gets $1,000, and the editor's saying, stop the presses. We got a new story. We're going to write this new story. Uh, Ellen Andrews has called her father, and she's going home. Oh, yeah, that's how it happened. Mm -hmm. And newspaper says, love is triumphant. So Clark Gable doesn't know that, though. Yeah, so he's ru rushing back in a Model T. In a Model T that's smoking. Yeah. And he's trying to get back before she wakes up. Well, she's been to the police station to call dad to say, you know, here I am. Come get me. Everything is good. And so passing Clark Gable on the road going the other direction are the police cars. Mm -hmm. Dad's on his way to get Ellen. So, and not uh, just dad, isn't King Wesley there? Yeah, he's there too. Yeah. In all his glory. And so they show the, there, there are all these cameras around the police station where father walks out, Ellie, Ellie Claudette Colbert walks out, and King Wesley walks out. 
And um, they get in the cars and they start driving back to New York City. Clark Gable's still driving. <laughs> but he's and happy. A, he's like, oh, yeah. And a train uh, crosses the road, so he has to stop. On the other side of the train is the entourage of King Wesley, Father, and Claudette Colbert. Well, wait a second. We have to pause for a Frank Capra, common people sort of montage of all the common, hardworking folk who are on the but train. But the fact that Clark Gable is in such a good mood, he's waving to all of them. Yes. He's waving to everybody on the train because he is happy. He's found the love of his life. He's going to get her. It's all going to be okay. He's, he's looking at all of them going, I just want you to know that it's all going to be okay, everyone. He's saluting everybody saluting, on that train. No, you! Buddy, you're going to a better life. Yes. You're, it's all going to be good, everyone. We're all going to make it. Winner, yeah, winner, chicken dinners all around. You're starving, but that's going to end in several years. At which point the train ends and they he crosses the railroad tracks just to see Ellen, King Wesley, and Father in a car go in the other direction. And Ellen is like, she's she's in the back seat. She looks very sad, but she's laying on, like leaning on King Wesley. Totally lethargic. Yeah. And, oh man, Clark Gable is, he just turns around and just He tries to follow, drives. his tires are flat. Yeah. So um, newspaper, then we see a lot of newspaper headlines saying that Ellen Andrews is happy to be home. There's going to be a real wedding ceremony, blah, 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 blah. Uh -huh. Clark Gable goes to the editor's office and gives the thousand dollars back. Yeah, it's just like here, you can have it, whatever. It was dumb. And um, then the editor's going, well, wait a minute. I think, I think there's still something, you know, something, there's still something there. And he puts something in Clark Gable's pocket. Did you see what it was? No, I didn't. I did. Were you sleeping? Well, yeah, at this point, it, it, <sighs> it you know, I wasn't sleeping. Well, I take that back because I did have to rewind it. Oh, I am so disappointed. So, yeah, this, I'm not really, I know that he, he put something in there. I don't know what it was. I no know that when that. Clark Gable leaves, he looks at the trash and he takes the story out of the trash and reads it. Uh, and he does say to Clark Gable, when you sober up, come back and see me. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe so it's the day of the wedding. Mm-hmm. She is on this satin dress with buttons all the way down and all these stupid-looking flowers all around her neckline. It's a real look stupid-looking dress. And Wes King Wesley is going to land on the lawn in a... Wait a minute. In an autogyro. Yeah. Which looks like a, a helicopter plane. Ah, okay. And the dad thinks it's over the top, but that's what he wants to do. Didn't At really take off, did they? Huh? Didn't really take off, did they? Those didn't catch on. No, they didn't. Yeah. Um, Ellie's lethargic, and the father goes, "Have you changed your mind about King? And what's the matter?" And she starts crying. And and the father goes, "You haven't fallen in love with somebody else, have you?" And so she kind of tells him the story, but don't worry about it because he thinks I'm a spo spoiled, pampered, insincere brat. Yeah. And the dad goes, well, where is he? And he goes, you know, we can call this thing off. And she goes, 
I don't want to stir up any more trouble. I don't want more drama. I'm just going to marry somebody I don't love. Yeah. Well, I mean, how could this go wrong? Right. Yeah, it's a big wedding ceremony. And, you know, why would we call it off now? Uh, I'll never see Peter again anyway. And then father goes, Peter? Well, I, I have a letter from a Peter here, and it's in his pocket. He doesn't show it to her, but she sees it, and it's saying, I'm interested in a financial agreement. Oh, yeah. So then she's like, great. He only was in it for the money. He was only in it for the money. So he's going to make money on my pitiful life. Mm -hmm. And so um, he was just interested in the money. King comes up and goes, let's drink. And and so King and Claudette Colbert are together, and he starts to kiss her. And she, like, starts the kiss and then has to draw back. It's like, yeah, this isn't going to work. But she's going to go through the ceremony. So Peter Warren comes to, uh, he tells Peter Warren to come to his house. The dad does. Uh, I'm going to take care of this financial settlement. Come to the house. And he goes, I don't want to come to the house on the day of this extravaganza thing. Uh, on second thought, okay, I will. You know what? I'll just come. Let me get my money. So... He says, I want to see what love looks like when it's triumphant. <laughs> so Clark Gable comes into the father's study, and he has an itemized list of things that the father owes him. And it, yeah, the, the, I think then the father think, oh, because the father was going to give him the reward, the $10,000. Correct. But Clark didn't want that. He only wanted the amount of money he excuse me, spent getting Claudette Colbert back home. $39.60. $39.60. And the dad goes, what about the 10000 He says, all I want is my thirty nine sixty, and I'm good. She made a sucker out of me. And so he gets a check. And then dad goes, do you love my daughter? And he says, yes. And he sees her. Well, he doesn't say and yes right away. He, he's like, do you love my daughter? And he's he's like avoiding the question. He's like, anyone who would love your daughter is has like serious brain problems. And he's like, but you didn't answer my question. Do you love my daughter? Your daughter is a piece of work, sir. And he's like, but you're not answering my question. Do you love your daughter? He's like, yes. And don't hold that against me or something. Like he's like, but I'm I'm crazy, so. So he walks out. She sees him, and she goes, "Well, I hope you got your money." At which point the auto gyro lands on the lawn. King Wesley gets out in his top hat and a cane. He's such a dandy. Violins. Not only are violins playing the wedding march, a chorus is kind of humming the wedding <laughs> march. Never, never heard that before. And she looks miserable. And the father's walking her down the aisle and he's telling her about the 3960. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, he loves you, Ellie. You don't want Wesley. I just want you to know there's a car at the back gate. You can you can go. You, you don't need to deal with this. They go to the part where there are the vows. King Wesley, do you take Ellie Andrews? Andrews as blah, blah? Yes, I do. And then when it's her turn, she can't do it. She runs away. Just like in... Um, the graduate. Oh. 
And I know it took a long time to, for me to remember that. She gets in the car with this train that's longer than Sarah Ferguson's. And um, King asks the father what happened. And the father goes, I haven't the slightest idea. <laughs> the next day, the father's drunk. He's written a $100,000 check to Wesley to let this all go away. There's a wire from Peter that the walls of Jericho have come tumbling down and you hear Clark Gable playing the trumpet and there's a blanket on the floor. You know what that means? They don't need the blanket anymore. They don't need it. The end. The end. The first rom-com. It was. And it was also um, pre-code. It was a pre-code comedy, pre the well, Hayes Code. What would have been coded? Well, the Hayes Code. The Hayes Code. It was start. Well, the Hayes Code started, I think, in the 1930s, but it wasn't strictly enforced until July 1st, 1934. But you never even saw those two kiss. No, but I mean, look at movies after the Hayes Code. Like, I know it, it wasn't okay. so much this, but like. Movies before movies like movies in the twenties, they had drug use, prostitution, abortions. Real life. Yeah, and American Ooh. Roman Catholics got their panties all in a twist, as they do, especially over those young boys. Yeah, and so they had a Hayes Code going from nineteen thirty four to nineteen sixty eight. Well, this won a clean sweep of the Oscars in 1934. Grand Slam. Best Picture. Best Director. Best Actor. Best Actress. Best Screenplay. Did they have supporting back then? Supporting Actress, Supporting Actor? They did, but this this is considered the Grand Slam for the Oscars. It was the only other films to have done it since. Or One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And Silence of the Lambs. Ooh. Oh, dark stuff. Clarice. Oh, All and right. for Best Picture, it beat out The White Parade, which I don't know what that movie's yeah. about. I don't think it's one we want to see. No. I think v- we saw it in Charlottesville. Viva Via, The Thin Man, One Night in Love, The Barretts Ber- of Whipple Street. Cleopatra, Flirtation Walk, The Gay Divorcee, Here Comes <gasps> the like Navy, <laughs> The House of Rothschild, and Imitation of Life. What? Yeah, that's the only one. That's the wow. only one of those movies I've heard of. I've heard of The Thin Man, but so alrighty then. Oh man. Um, let's see. I have Claudette Colbert. I found this interesting because I'm playing Powerball and whenever I play Powerball, I always think of moving to Barbados if I should win. Claudette Colbert, she died in Barbados in 1996. She was the highest paid star in 1938, 1942. She was very reluctant to do this movie. Apparently, this movie had so many people attached to it. Well, not attached to it, but it was offered 
to everyone. Myrna Loy turned it down and Robert Montgomery, they turned it down. But then later they said that they turned it down and the script that ended up being shot was nothing like the script that was given to them. Betty Davis, she couldn't, she wanted to do it, but she couldn't get out of her Warner Brothers contract. Carol Lombar was filming Bolero. Loretta Young turned it down. Yeah. Um, And when they finished filming it, Claudette Colbert said, oh, I just finished the worst movie ever. Oh, yeah. She said that it was that she was like, this movie's going to suck. She didn't even attend the Oscars. She she well, she didn't think she was going to win. She was up against some people. Oh, she was up against Norma Shearer for the Barretts of Whipple Street. Grace Moore for One Night Love and Betty Davis for Of Human Bondage. Holy crap. So I would have been like, yeah, Betty Davis is probably going to win it. I'm just going to... She was on a train getting ready to go back to New York and the Academy came and said, you just won the award. And by the time she got over to the Biltmore, Shirley Temple was getting her young Oscar and they were like, Shirley, give this award to Claudette Colbert. So she was like, here is your Oscar. She's like, thank you. In I, a traveling I suit. Yeah, and then she goes, I got a train. Bye, guys. And she leaves. <laughs> Go catch my train. She leaves. And unlike her character in the movie, the train did wait for Claudette Colbert. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, yeah, it's cool. Um, I wonder if her eyebrows ever grew back in. I don't know. She, she, The studio paid her. $50,000, and they agreed that they would shoot it in four weeks because she had a long-planned vacation. I was like, damn. And that comes to over a million dollars in, in today. And they were offering other people 25000 for it. They had to pay her 50000 to actually do it because yeah. nobody would do it. Nobody would do it. And she was obsessed with not showing the right side of her face throughout her career. And she was obsessed with the way she was filmed um there was this story that one time on another movie the guy that that always was the cameraman for got fired by the director and when she saw the dailies of the other guy shooting her like she she just completely flipped out and was like this guy sucks and she probably like stopped working or something and she she really didn't want to do this movie because she had done another movie with Frank Capra called For For Love of Mike and it yeah. was a disaster and she was said I'm never working with that Frank Capra again. And then when yeah when she finished she said I just finished the worst picture in the world. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's so funny. It was Columbia Pictures' biggest hit at the time. Columbia Pictures was like uh, the ghetto. Yeah, it it was. Video. What did they call it? They called it something like Slum Street or something. Yeah, or Slum Alley. It was very divisive, and the in this one movie, it happened one night. Took Columbia, and I mean now now Columbia is is Sony Pictures. It's Columbia. It's you know Spider Man and another Spider Man. I think we need another. I'm sure. And I don't even know if it's Spider-Man. But, but it did huge. say that Clark Gable won Best Actor, but they felt like Best Actor should have gone to somebody else. Probably William but, Powell for The yeah, Thin Man. Maybe. But MGM 
kind of rigged it so that he got it because he needed to revive his film career. Yeah, because there was a rumor that he got the movie um, because MGM was punishing him. Exactly. Here, go take this loser movie yeah. because I don't know what he well, had done. Well, he had refused to work, I think, with Joan Crawford. I think oh. there was a movie that they wanted him to do. It was somebody like Joan Crawford. It was. Uh, well, I read that he had an affair with somebody, and that's what they were punishing. Like him who for. knows? But they were. But and then even the rumor that he was being punished, people were like, "That's not true." The fact of the matter was is that he had a hole in his schedule, and since he was on contract, they were still paying him for two thousand, two thousand dollars a week, and so. Um, so if Mayor, they loan him out, do they get money? Yeah, so Mayor said, yeah. all right, well, you can have him, but it's going to cost you $2,500 per week. And so that covered his cost, plus the studio head took the extra 500 But But from what I've heard about Louis B. Mayer, I believe there was punishment involved. And probably, but it like all worked out so he could line his picture, his you know pocketbooks or whatever. Yeah. Well, it was good. I thought it was good. It was fun. A lot of banter. Um, black and white. Yeah. I'm glad we did it. Wait a second, though. Here you is got the more. most. What do you know about this, King Wesley? This was the craziest thing that I just read in an article that I was said, wait, what? And then it made me do a whole usual suspects thing about the movie. What? Okay. I'm going to start, I'll start with, how do I reveal this? I guess I'll start it with, you know what, I'm going to start with the big gun. So, Fritz Freeling, in his unpublished memoirs, said that this movie helped to inspire three of his most popular characters. Now, who was Fritz Freeling, Aaron? Oh, what did he create? Well, let me just tell you that There's a character named Bugs Bunny. And he was Oscar Shapling. He based him on Oscar Shapling, how he was like always um, talking fast and stuff. Uh That. Clark Gable names the gangster. He uses the first name of Bugs. Uh So he took that. Clark Gable and how he eats a carrot and the way he talks when he's eating the carrot... He took that. Mm-hmm. So Bugs Bunny debuted in 1938 in Porky's Hair Tale. And I was like, oh, my God, that's yeah. Bugs Bunny. Exactly. It's so cool. And then Yosemite Sam was based on the dad. And, I'll, say, I'll, say, I'll say again. Uh-huh. And King Wesley was the inspiration for Pepe Le Pew. I was like, that's crazy. Yeah, he was kind of skunk like. Yep. And his, and yeah. how he how he had like the, just like you picture Pepe Le Pew and just then you picture how King Wesley was in his black suit and the shape of it. And the and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love the part about Clark Gable eating the carrot and talking. Like a wise guy? Yeah, because yeah. that, I totally remember that. And then when I read it, I was at the laundromat going like, oh my gosh. 
That's Bugs Bunny! Yep. So, I I really enjoyed this movie, but I do feel like it's... There are places where it could have been trimmed. Because it does kind of seem to drag... I agree. I looked at the I looked at the time because it was like an hour and forty five minutes about. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at the time and seeing there was still an hour left, and I was going, "What?" Yeah, there's yeah. there could have been some definitely some trimming of scenes and stuff because there there are a lot of great comedic scenes, but there's just excess where you could kind yeah. of cut out like the whole stuff that they had at the the hay. The, and when they were in the hay and stuff, that could have been yeah. trimmed. A whole bunch of things that just could have been trimmed. But overall, like for 1934, it's it holds up very well for a film yeah, made true. in 1934. When you, when you realize it was it was made in 1933, yeah, really, released in 34. I mean, it went in 2013 or or maybe 2001 of those. Not too long ago, it went through a major restoration. But still, it still really holds up very well. Yep. True. All right. Well, put your batter's helmets on, people. Batter's helmets. I'm getting ready to throw a curveball next week. (laughs) You're using a lot of baseball words and... And I'm so not baseball. Yeah. (laughs) But you are not seeing this one coming. Well, now that you've done baseball things, can I guess? Go ahead. The natural? No. Oh. In honor of the Academy Awards. (laughs) Dances with Wolves. (laughs) We are going to do the very first Academy Award winner. Are we able to see it? Has it? I did research to make sure that we could see it on iTunes. The very it is first. called Wings. Wings. 1927 silent movie, Wings. It has nothing. I thought this, Wings was about pilots and stuff. It is about, well, the, the biggest part is the um, airplane... Um, fight yeah it's a it's a love triangle thing and um rotten tomatoes gave it a 95 percent it is the first feature film to ever win the academy awards it's a silent movie with clara bow charles buddy rogers richard arlen and um the director william wellman and Actually, they said that the fighter plane parts are are better than um, Hell's Angels, which Howard Hughes almost died making, and and other ones. So it's going to be a silent film. Oh, wings! So it has nothing to do with baseball. What was all the baseball metaphors for? Because <laughs> uh, I was just going to tell you to watch out for the curveball. Oh, <laughs> nothing to do with baseball. <laughs> wow. Wouldn't that have been cool if I'd been able to tie that in? I but thought I so. I mean, after oh. you had tied in the whole the You whole gave intro, me way too much credit for that. That's because my mind was blown with the whole gone with the bushes. Where are we taking you? Well, that's true. 
It's true. Funny it took you 25 episodes to figure that out. It's not really funny if you really know me. <laughs> and she didn't figure it out. I had to tell her. Yeah. But, yeah, so we're going to do a silent film. So it might be a really quick synopsis <laughs> next next week because we won't have to, you know, like, tell you lines that they said. I'll tell you the lines I came up with. <laughs> And Erin can do her own, as she did last week, which was a much better film than we actually saw. <laughs> so I hope, yeah, I did make sure that we could view it on iTunes before I selected it. So what year is it? 1927? 27. 1927. Because if you just put Google in Wings, there was a TV show in the... Oh, yeah. Great television show. Yeah. It was a good TV show. And then there's something else, uh, several other things that come up. It's got to be the 1927 film Wings. Excellent. Okay. And um, so hopefully some great. Some curveballs will come to us on the Academy Awards tomorrow night. Oh, yo, I, well, we have a few minutes we can discuss. Do you think, like, what do you think is going to happen? I'm pretty sure that, uh, what's her name from, what's its name? You Frances know? McDormand Three from Three Billboards. P we saw it pretty early on. I we just, saw it very early I on. I thought that it was, it was entertaining. I didn't think, like, that was the best picture. I did think that there were, I think we all thought there were problems with the movie. Yeah, but and we all thought she, she was and good. she's so good whenever she decides to um, what's her name? Frances McDormand. Yeah. Whenever she decides to to grace the screen, she's always amazing. She was amazing. There there were things like, really, could you really throw that Molotov cocktail right there at the right time? <laughs> I know I couldn't. It would land at my feet and I'd be on fire. But um, yeah. I thought I I thought I Tanya was um I thought it was Margot Robbie to be able to channel wow that was really good. I really um, enjoyed that movie. Yeah. I thought it was really well done. Um I haven't seen a couple uh, yeah, The Darkest Hour. Yeah, he does a really good job. Yeah. How many people have to play Churchill in our lifetime? <laughs> Well, that's your demographic. You just seem you're in the demographic that's going to see all the Churchills. I think I've seen almost all of them. He, I mean, Gary Oldman, come on. Yeah, he's amazing. But wouldn't it be cool if Get Out, which I talked through the entire movie, <laughs> that I kept been. telling him, Get it's Out. out. <laughs> um, I'm a white woman, and I am telling you. I'm telling you. Oh, man. Oh, come on, dude. She's not that good. They you know? say, though, that that's what, you know, because the Oscars, it's it's a priority ballot method. So if no one movie wins more than 50 percent of the vote, then they start going down into the second places. So if enough people, uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility to get wait, out. Tell wait. me this again. I don't know this. All right. So because the ballot, the Oscar ballot went to, what is it? Nine films, 10 films. When they expanded it, they have what I think is called priority balloting. 
So you write in, you, you basically list like what you think is the best. So your number one pick, you pick whatever movie you want. So people could, and since there's nine, if, if one movie gets over 50% of the number one vote, like more than 50% people say this, is, this was the best picture, then the best picture wins. But mathematically speaking, because there's so many movies that a lot of times no one movie is going to get um, more than 50%. Because this year there isn't a clear cut. Oh, yeah, everyone liked it. You know, it's no Lord of the Rings Return of the King where everybody's just like, this is the best movie. We're giving it to him for all three of these. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's so many movies, so many different opinions. It's a lot of people are saying that they feel like it would be hard for like, what's that move? The fish movie, The Shape of Water, uh, water. to get yeah, more than 50 votes. So then once once they go past that, then you it's look and reality. see how many people, what came in second. And then mm -hmm. they go by that. So you, a lot of people could be like, look, I really, you know what? My favorite movie was Lady Bird. And other people be like, my favorite first movie was Fish Out of Water. We'll be like, my favorite first movie was Call Me By Your Name. Mine was Dunkirk. You know, they put all those in. And then what was your second favorite movie of the year? You know, I really like Get Out. Yeah, that Get Out was really good. Yeah, Get Out. So if a lot Wouldn't of people put cool? Get Out as the second movie, and because no movie got over 50%, then they look and they say, oh, um, the winners get out because of the priority that would be, Is that? I wonder if that's how Moonlight won. It is. Moonlight was so good and so deserved it. That is exactly how it won because so oh, many people wow. put it down as their second best. Right. Like okay. their first, a lot of people had it down as their first, but then it went to the priority and a lot of people also had it down as their second. Well, that's interesting. You need to be a member of the Academy. Well, you have to have a career to be a member of the Academy. Well, that's going to happen. <laughs> well. <laughs> and you know what's going to bring you there? Gone with the Bushes, this podcast. I didn't even know we were going anywhere. <laughs> I have no idea. I just thought it was a rhetorical question. Where are we going? <laughs> I, every morning I wake up and I'm always like, where are we going? It's just a rhetorical question. I just hit my head on my own me. microphone. <laughs> okay, well, I would love for Get Out to, to win. There, I listened to a podcast and I have to, I'm probably going to rewatch it because there was a lot of stuff that I missed the first time. What podcast was that? Oh, uh, the Rewatchables. Rewatchables. Because I, I need some new podcasts. Yeah, well, and this is the I only podcast anyone Google. ever knew. <laughs> yeah, because I was at work. I couldn't just stop what I was doing to give you new podcasts. Yeah, I was so thrilled with Google it. Like, I hadn't already done that. A little biatch. <laughs> okay, well, um, it will be interesting. Uh, I hope that the Oscars are a little different than the same old, same old, but we'll find out. And... That's it for this week of Gone, Gone with, with the, the Bushes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.